All right, so we're in Romans chapter 12 right now, and in the previous several chapters of Romans, uh, Paul has been just laying out salvation just as clear as can be, our doctrine of salvation, what we believe about salvation. It's seen throughout these chapters, and so now he's talking to brethren. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, talking to saved people, he says, by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So as Christians, after we get saved, there are some things that we should do. And I'll say as a pastor, even though you're saved and you can't lose your salvation, I'm still going to beseech you, brethren, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We expect some things from you if you get saved. It's pretty normal, isn't it? And then it says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And what I want to talk about this morning is the manifestation of worldliness. What does it mean to be worldly? What does it look like to be worldly? And what I want to do in this message, too, I, I kind of want to kill two birds with one stone in this message. I want to talk about worldliness and, of course, not being worldly. But I also want to, or I want to show what it looks like today. Because did you know what it looks like to be worldly today is a little different than what it looked like 2,000 years ago? But the principle is still the same. We're still not supposed to be worldly. But then in while doing that, I'm going to show you some examples in the Bible where false prophets and people are, um, you know, Jesus, for example, we're going to see some examples how he said to identify bad people. He, Jesus explained how it was manifested in that day. And often what people do is they will take the things that were mentioned that manifested those things and they kind of declare those the sins and they kind of miss the main point of that passage. And so you have it on both sides. You, on those who preach against worldliness, Sometimes we make a really big deal about things that aren't that big of a deal. But then you got those on the other side, the lascivious crowd that we often refer to as the trendies. They act like the only thing you can condemn is exactly what was being talked about then. And then what they will typically do is they'll go to some commentary, some book talking about Roman culture 2000 years ago. And like, that's what Paul was talking about, you know, because this is how they did worldliness back then. You know, those Roman soldiers, they went around in their little mini skirts, you know, uh, that they, I don't know if that's what they actually wore and stuff back then. That's what they wear in all the movies. And so, you know, that was worldly, you know, so you're only allowed to preach against mini skirts on men, you know, not skinny jeans or some, you know, whatever is being put out today, you know, and what we, we would consider worldly. That's what they try to do. And that's not honest either. And it's just amazing how people kind of really miss the boat on some of these passages. And so I want to uh, hopefully uh, show you how to identify worldliness, but then more importantly, you know, how to just interpret the scriptures with some of this stuff. Because it's amazing just how wrong people get some things. Because we've got to understand, we live in an ever-changing world, but at the same time, the Bible doesn't change. The Bible does not change. And what's amazing about the Bible is even though times change, and cultures and different, you know, different cultures change. You know, the Bible always remains the same, yet the Bible, it applies to every culture every time. It will help every culture and every time. 
And so we don't want to use this twisted method of interpreting Scripture where we are only allowed to call out the, the, the specific things that Paul or Jesus mentioned in their day because you know, that doesn't make sense. Those things just don't apply today. And I'm going to show you some examples of that, some things that Jesus called out that he, were very specific that I'm just going to tell you none of us in here have to worry about. Yet at the same time, I do believe that passage where Jesus is calling out these things, we actually do need these things today. And they do apply to us today, and there's ways that we can violate these things. So we don't want to act like we can only preach against Roman culture in first century based on this. That's, a, that's ridiculous. So the Word of God does not change, and we as Christians, we should still not be conformed to the world. That's not going to change, but here's what is going to change. The world is going to change. The world's going to keep changing. The sinful nature of man never changes, but how that nature manifests itself does change throughout time. Those things are going to be different. And, you know, you on one hand, you could say, there's no new thing under the sun. We've got that verse in the Bible. That's a great line that you can use. But on the other hand, you know, yeah, there's no new thing under the sun. But at the same time, I don't think they had iPads in Paul's day. I don't, I don't think Moses had a cell phone. You know, there are, so you can see, well, some things do change. But on the other hand, you know, mankind does not change. The sinful nature of man does not change. God's word does not change. But how that sinful nature manifests itself, okay? At one time, that busybody, gossipy woman manifested herself in the woman who was walking around going from house to house, you know, being idle, tattling. Now, you can violate that scripture and stay in your house. You can do it with your cell phone. You can do it on Facebook. So on one hand, nothing's changed, has it? But how that, you know, busybody tattling gossip manifests themselves has changed. So we're all on the same page. We understand what I'm saying here. We don't want to be, we don't want to go ultra hyper literal with the Bible and it be like Ruckmanites or something. Like turn over to Ecclesiastes 1. Let me just do something stupid that people do with the scripture. Nobody goes to this extreme, I don't think, but you never know. Look it up on the internet. You'll probably find somebody teaching this. But in, Ex- in Ecclesiastes 1.9, it says, the thing that hath been is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything? Hey, what does it say there? Is there anything, folks? What does that mean? It means anything, right? Is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new? It has been already of old time, which was before us. You come show me your new car. That's not new. Bible says anything right here. You know what? That new car, it's been here before in the old world. Well, what was that? Well, that was that, you know, gap theory world, uh, you know, when the world was without form and void, you know, before that all happened. That just proves it right there, doesn't it? I mean, isn't that what the Bible says? There's no new thing. It's already been here before. So you know what? iPads aren't new. They had them before in the old world. You know, why y'all laughing? Y'all, if y'all believe your King James Bible, you're going to believe that, right? It, it, man, I hate when people do stuff like this with the Bible. It, you know, there is no remembrance of former things. You just don't remember it. You know, in the first flood before Noah's flood, it all got wiped away. Can't find any evidence of it. Neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come 
with those that shall come after. And, you know, folks, don't make me interpret this passage for you, but I think you all understand there's a principle here. It's a kind of a general statement. You don't take stuff like that and go all hyper-literal. You do that, you're going to end up looking like a Ruckmanite. You're going to end up looking like a nut job, and we don't want to do something like that. And so I say all this to say that certain things, generally speaking, are timeless, but how we apply those things, how some of those things are manifest are different, and they are going to change throughout time. What it means to be worldly, what it means to look, or what it looks like to be worldly in 2021 is different than it looked like in the 70s. And listen, there was stuff that they've got that uh, old timers were preaching against in the 70s that they should have been preaching against because they were supposed to be preaching against worldliness. And when they would preach against those things, when they would preach against the wire rim glasses and all these things that, you know, and the pleated pants and, uh, you know, certain type of haircuts and things, they were preaching against the manifestation of worldliness that was in that day. Now that's changed. Okay. If you wear wire rim glasses today, I don't think you're a hippie. I used to wear wired rim glasses before I got contacts. And let me tell you, I not only have I never been a hippie, I've always had a strong prejudice against hippies. Boy, if it's possibly racist against hippies, I know it's not right. I'm racist against them, all right? I don't, I don't like hippies. I don't like anything associated with that. I got a lot of problems with it. And, um, I, and so I, I promise I wasn't doing it for that reason. You know, I remember, you know, when I first was wearing pleated pants, you know, I didn't know anybody ever preached against that stuff, but apparently that was the thing they preached against at one time. You know, I'm pretty sure skinny jeans are always going to be preached against, I hope. <laughs> but, but you know, the thing is, there's going to come a day where skinny jeans are not in style anymore, and there's going to be some old preacher, probably me, at a meeting somewhere preaching against skinny jeans, and everybody in the crowd's going to be like, what's this guy even talking about, you know? And, you know, to, like, you know, if, if we heard some old dude get up here and preach and he starts ripping on bell bottoms, you know, we're all going to be just like, hey, well, we're clean in that area. <laughs> yeah, and, and what were these people doing during those times? They were calling out the manifestations of worldliness in that day. And God bless them for it. And you know what? God bless those ones who still think it's the 70s. You know, at least they're, they're not changing. Amen. <laughs> you know. I'm, I'm thankful for that. You know, I, I've got no disrespect towards those people, but, you know, I'm not going to get super worried about it if they get on my wire rim glasses. I'm not, I'm not going to be that worried about it, but I'll, I'll be respectful to them. So I, I think we all, we all get this. And so what I want to show you, I want to illustrate this concept from Matthew chapter 23. Now go over to Matthew chapter 23, and I'm going to show you something where Jesus called some stuff out. Jesus got real specific. But I want us to actually stop and think about what he is calling out here and what the actual problem is, because this is what we often miss. And so in Matthew chapter 23, in verse 5, it says, But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge their garments. You know what? You shouldn't make broad your phylacteries. Okay. <laughs> Anybody seen anybody doing that lately? Anybody seen anybody making broad their phylacteries? What what is that? I, I had to look it up. Okay, I, okay, uh, but according to what I read on that, it's a wearing of slips of scripture text, and or it's a small leather box containing Hebrew text on vellum worn by Jewish men at morning prayer as a reminder to keep the law. 
Okay, so, and a lot of times, if you look at the Orthodox Jews, if you go to the Wailing Wall, you watch those guys banging their head against the wall, you'll see them, they'll have these things all wrapped around their arm. You know what those are? Those are phylacteries. They have these things, too, that they wear. It kind of gets wrapped around their head, and they got like a little box thing on there, and it's got scripture, and so that's what they're doing. Now, let me ask you, is it a sin to wear scriptures on you? Actually, they were told to do that in Deuteronomy chapter 6, in verse 6, it says, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. So isn't that kind of what these Jews were doing? But Jesus said what these guys were doing, they were making them broad. So what they were doing is they were overdoing it they're making it really noticeable it wasn't just something that they had as a reminder to wear of the scriptures it was something that they wore that everyone can see and the problem was not so much that they had big phylacteries the problem was the fact that they were doing it to be seen of men because but here's what the carnal mind does okay and this is what the, the person maybe on our side will often do on things is then we decide, well, you know what, what's broad? You know, you can't be bigger than one inch. You know, and then those liberals that want to go the two inches or three inches, you know, make it a really big. And, and at the end of the day, is it about the size or is it about why they're doing it? And so when Jesus is calling out making broad their phylacteries, he's not so much saying it's a sin if your phylactery is over a certain size, no, the sin is doing these things to be seen of men. And so people who their problem was not so much large phylacteries, but the fact that they wanted to be seen of men, it was manifest in that day by making broad their phylacteries. Now, nobody does that today, do they? But we could do that too. So, you know, for example, you know, is it a sin if some lady wears a necklace and it's got like a little cross on it? That's not a sin, is it? But what if the cross, say she's got like a little, you know, three, four inch cross. What if she goes six inches? What if it's a foot? <laughs> what if it is just like this huge thing? What if it's so big, she's got to like carry it, you know? <laughs> Would that be a sin? So what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to figure out what size is appropriate for a cross? Or is the problem... I think you're trying to be seen of men. I think you're trying to get unnecessary attention. It's not just a little thing you wear to remind yourself. It's something you're doing for attention. That's the problem. That's where, and, and that would be more likely how it would be manifest today. Now, most people, I haven't seen anybody wear a giant cross or anything like that. But, you know, I've seen people go as far as tattooing scripture on their face. I don't think you should do that. <laughs> I mean, forget about tattoos, but I mean, talking about doing something to be seen of men. You know, so, uh, you know, I don't think it's wrong for somebody to wear a scripture verse on a shirt or on, on a ball cap or something like that. I think it's a good thing to do. But what if I wore a jumpsuit just covered in scripture? You know, I mean, I've got like the entire Bible printed out real small on a jumpsuit. And so everywhere I go, I'm just a walking Bible. Now that, you know, if we started doing something like that, you'd probably say, you're just trying to be seen of men. 
You're trying to just look spiritual. And so the thing is, don't make me stand up and give a rule about how much scripture you're allowed to wear. Listen, wear scripture, do those things to remind you or to be a testimony, but don't go doing it in a way that's about making you to be seen of men. That is going to be different in different times, in different cultures, in different ways. The problem is being seen of men. So let's read a little more of this. So it talks about making broad their flackers, enlarging the borders of their garments. All right, so how big are the borders of my garments allowed to be? You know, what if I came to church today and, you know, and the, I'm wearing one of these great big suits, you know, that those real long kind of, I don't know, I don't know what kind of people, zoot suit, yeah. <laughs> that, you know, why, why would I wear something like that? Okay. You know, why would I wear something that's going to make me stick out like a sore thumb? There was one Sunday, I don't know if it was a pastor or what, but I was at a gas, I was at a gas station over in Sterling and a guy, there was this guy, he gets out of his car. I, I won't say what ethnicity he was or anything, but he was wearing one of those zoot suits and he had the chain and he had a cane and he had the hat and everything. And it was just like, all right. <laughs> it was, it was pretty interesting. Oh, you show me in the Bible where you can't wear a zoot suit. And I was like, well, I can show you in the Bible where you're not supposed to be doing things to be seen of men. Well, the Bible says enlarging the board of your garments. This is the standard for a suit. <laughs> and if you go more than that, you know, you're out of line. Is it, was it about the size of the garment or was it about, was Jesus just showing this is how you spot the people that are just trying to be seen of men? That's what he's doing here. So it talks about in the greetings and the markets and to be called of men, rabbi, rabbi. Well, I'm clean in this area. Nobody's ever called me rabbi. Well, you know what? That's not really something that we do in this culture. For one, we're not Jews. We're not Hebrew. We don't use that term today. But at the same time, is Jesus saying this title is forbidden? Or is Jesus saying these people who like doing things to be seen of men, they love the titles. They love everybody calling them these things and greeting them. They love getting the attention. So it's not so much the title, it's the fact that these people who want to be seen of men, who manifest themselves by how they dress and by all these things that they overdo, they like those big titles too. I think you would take this application too, and you talk about these people who always just want to be called doctor and everything. You know, these preachers who want to be called doctor. It's like, oh, and, you know, and they're giving away these honorary doctors like candy anymore. I think we should just start giving honorary doctorates to everybody we give preaching clip of the week to. I mean, it's just as valuable as most of these other ones. Some of these guys, too, they don't even hardly know any Bible at all. And yet they do this. It's absolutely ridiculous. But Jesus said, but be not ye called rabbi. Why? Because that's a bad title. No. For one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. You know why we try to get these titles? To show rank to show a hierarchy, to show some kind of superiority. The title's not the sin. It's the mindset that comes with it. There's people out there that, you know, have the term doctor or whatever. I don't think they're horrible people, but I think there's some people, they want it so they can just put it on their business cards and make themselves look like they're really something when they're not. If some guy actually earned it. I'm not against him having that. 
But when it's all so important to you, oh, you know, pastor, I know you invited me to this thing, but I need you to change that flyer. You put pastor or brother on there and, you know, I'm a doctor. I want to be called doctor. And you start demanding to be called doctor and stuff and just be like, you know what, knock it off. I'm fine with the medical world doing that because at least we know if they got some kind of medical license, they actually earned it. You got your buddy with a Bible college to just give this to you, you know, because you're a big shot or whatever. I don't think that's right. I don't, I think, I don't, so again, the problem is not the title. It's the motivation for wanting to be called that. And this is about attention. And so it says, he goes on, it says, and call no man your father upon earth. So does that mean kids can't even refer to their dad as father? Well, listen, if they're actually your father, that's one thing. Well, no, you have to say dad or papa or anything but father. Term father forbidden. Is that, is that what we all have to do now? You know, sometimes my kids, Abby calls me father sometimes. Is she violating this passage in the Bible? The Bible says call no man father. Well, here's the thing. I didn't receive that title. I didn't ask for that title so I could just be above my brethren. I'm actually her father. Y'all understand that? This isn't me bestowing some honor upon myself so I can be above the rest of you. That's not, that's not why we're doing that. But yet, carnal people who don't know how to interpret scripture, that's what they'll do with something like this. They'll spank their kid for calling them father, you know, and it's like, no, that's ridiculous. You, you don't understand. The problem was that these guys were trying to elevate themselves. That's what Jesus has been talking about this whole time. And it says, neither be ye called masters, for one is your master even Christ, but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. So Jesus is trying to teach these people to have a humble attitude, unlike these Pharisees who wanted to be seen of men and were wanting attention. That's what Jesus was trying to teach here. And then if we look at Luke chapter 20, this is the same passage, but we get another detail in here. It says in verse 45, then in the audience of all the people, he said unto the disciples, beware of the scribes which desire to walk in long robes. So here we see long robes too. All right, so ladies, be careful with those bathrobes. If they get too long, you're violating scripture. You know, and so, you know, how long is long? Below the knees to the ankles? Does it have to be dragging? Can somebody explain this to me? Hey, what if your, you know, your little daughter goes and puts her mom's bathrobe on? And she's walking around dragging that thing. The Bible says not to wear long robes. You better put a stop to that. That's clearly forbidden, all right? Any, any, any parents ever had their little girls put on something of theirs before, all right? If they put on a long robe, man, you, you all better deal with that. Do you all think you violated Jesus' command when you do that? No, here's, here's the problem with robes. What about when you, got, when you graduated? How many wore a robe when they graduated? All right, was it a long robe? How come the Bible didn't tell us how to define long robes here? Well, here's the thing. I don't know how long long robes were in that day, but there was a way back then where people who were trying to get attention, they would wear excessively long robes to try to make themselves look like they were really something. And so most graduation gowns that people wear today, I think they just go below the knees. But it would be like me if everybody's wearing the same one that goes below the knees but then when I go out there, I go in just a super long one dragging. Why would I do that? I'm doing that to make me look like I'm something better than the rest of these people. 
like, you know, like the teacher's pets that wear little sashes and things that say, uh, what is that they say they get on there? What is that called? Yeah, valedictorian, salutedictorian, all that kind of stuff. Everybody hates those ones. But, you know, but at least they're not violating long robes. It, listen, it's not about the length of the robe. It's about doing things for attention. And so, do we all understand that? And so the thing is, today we have preachers that have the guts to get up and call out the manifestations of this type of behavior of those who are just trying to get attention, those who are just wanting to be seen of men. And it looks different today than it did back then, but we should still be calling this stuff out. What it looks like to be worldly today, it looks different than it did back then, but we still should be calling this stuff out because it's still wrong and it's still a sin. And whatever weird thing I come up with to draw attention to myself in a way just so I can be seen of men, it should be called out even if it's not what Jesus mentioned in the Bible. I'm not going to wear, you know, I'm not going to wear a robe to do that today. That's not going to work in this culture. I'm going to just look like a freak if I go walking around in a robe. That's not, that's not how we do it in this culture. We've got other ways of trying to show that we're something great. So we've got to understand what the real, what the real problem is. And that's what people are avoiding. And so you've got the people on the side of standards many times uh, that are against worldliness. They're making a big deal. It's like, well, as long as you're not wearing long robes, making broad your phylacteries, you know, and nobody's calling you rabbi, you're clean. Hey, we're all, I don't see anybody in here wearing phylacteries today. Y'all are clean. Why do we even look at this passage? Nobody in here needs it, right? But you know what? We do need this, don't we? Because we all can get tempted into wanting to be seen of men and just doing things for attention. That's not what God wants. And so these people, you know, making, you know, wearing the scriptures, that was something God said, but they went overboard. They overdid it. They went too far. You know, we don't want to be conformed to the world, but we don't want to look like we're from another planet, too, at the same time. We want to be old-fashioned, but we don't want to look like Caroline Ingalls. You know, we don't we want to be all these things, but we don't want to overdo it, right? And that's what people miss a lot of times. And so I believe we are still capable of violating the Scriptures in Matthew chapter 23. I think people do it all the time. It's just... It's, but it's manifested differently today. And so the hyper grace, lascivious hipster pastors out there, they act like though doing those things is the only way you can violate the passage. But there's many ways we can do the same thing. So the real problem, the real message Jesus was trying to give here is he's calling out doing things to be seen of men. And when Jesus said it's wrong to be seen of men, then you know what he did? He warned the people. He said, beware of them. And then he said, here's how you spot them. And so that's what we need to do today. We're supposed to uh, tell people to beware of false prophets. Well, how do they manifest themselves today? A lot of the false prophets, the way they manifest themselves today, it looks a lot different than it did back then. A lot of them are these guys that you see flying around in their private jets, you know, wearing their $5,000 suits and their Rolexes and they have their TV programs that are always trying to con people into sending them their money. That's how a lot of that stuff's manifested today. I've never seen Kenneth Copeland wearing a long robe. I've never seen Kenneth Copeland making broad his phylacteries or anything like that. But let me tell you, we should warn people about guys like Kenneth Copeland. We should warn them. 
these prosperity preachers. It, it, you know, the devil's smart. He changes his tactics a little bit, but at the same time, the principle's still the same, isn't it? The principles are there, but it does look different over time. Jesus was pointing out how the way these people revealed their hearts was through their being excessive in their obedience. It was okay to wear a phylactery, but they didn't need to overdo it. You can just, you can take things too far. And it is, it's okay to wear a shirt with a Bible verse, but don't dress head to toe in scripture. That's only going to gain you a lot of attention. So there are things that are not spelled out in the scripture as a sin, but culturally speaking, it would be in bad taste and it would probably do more harm than good to do some of these things. I mean, what if we all just, you know, hey, we're supposed to have the word of God in our heart. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And we're just going to all go work. We're going to start strapping Bibles to our chests and just walk around like that you know, with Holy Bible showing or something. And then we just start getting bigger and bigger. We're like wearing, you know, it's like it becomes a contest and it's like who can go around wearing the biggest Bible over their chest? That's just dumb. Okay? I mean, is it is it a sin to wear a Bible over your chest? Is that, is, come on, somebody tell me, is that a sin? Is that, can you show me in the scriptures where I can't do that? But would that not be in bad taste to do something like that? Wouldn't that be kind of some virtue signaling if I'm doing something like that? I don't think I'm going to score any points with anybody if I do that type of thing. But it would be a way, I, I, care, I carry my Bible everywhere I go. And I don't hide it either, man. I, I believe everywhere you go, you ought to carry the biggest Bible you got so everybody sees it. When I go to the restaurant, I go to McDonald's, man. I carry my Bible. I, I'm always going to be ready to give some of the gospel. You never know. How you gonna, how you expect to do battle without your sword? You ought to take it everywhere you go, man. I believe in open carry. Some of you cowards, you, you walk around, your little New Testament's in your pockets inside. Hey, that's great. Nobody can see it. Open carry. Get you a big one. Do we really think that's going to help? And then, and, and we do. We start doing that type of thing, and it just becomes a big show of how spiritual we are. We've gotten out of line, and we are sinning. Even though the specific thing you did, I can't show you a scripture where it clearly forbids that. I can't show you a thou shalt not do something like that. Yet at the same time, it shouldn't be hard for us to take principles from the Bible and apply them to our situation in our day and say, you know what? That's wrong. That's a sin. That's what we have to do. And, and people today, they just, they don't want to, they don't want to do it. And so the real purpose of the passage in Matthew 23, it's not, you know, beware of those, uh, you know, who wear long robes, who have broad phylacteries. It's beware of those who put on a big show of being spiritual because they're dangerous people. That's what Jesus is warning. And this will manifest itself differently. And so in some passages, in some churches, you know, another way people can violate this passage, I've seen people do this, is by going to the altar during the service and doing long dramatic prayers. I've known people, they were known for dragging out the service because they just won't leave the altar. That's their way of showing that the Lord just really did something. And they get out there, they start sobbing and crying sometimes. I, I've, I'm, folks, I'm not lying. 
I have been in service. I've heard people just up there screaming and wailing at the altar. Now, I'm not lying. And it's just, it's just weird. It's really weird. All right. Please nobody do that today. I mean, I hope the Lord speaks to you, but I hope, I hope he doesn't make you come screaming at the altar. I don't know. And, and it, it, beca- it becomes kind of a show and everybody expects it. Ask me about the As the Deer lady one of these days from a youth conference when every time As the Deer would play, she was up at the altar. She was like a legend. Uh, and, you know, I mean, every service, as soon as the dramatic music would start, everybody would just wait for the As the Deer lady, as we called her. Nobody knew her name. And sure enough, man, she'd be up at the altar doing her thing. I'm not kidding. Saw her a couple years later. It was in Kentucky where we saw her the one time. I saw her a couple years later in North Carolina at the National Sword of the Lord Conference. There were probably like 5,000 people at this service. And all of a sudden, the music got good and dramatic, and here she comes. <laughs> and I told my wife, it's as the dear lady. We recognize her. And I remember when we were in Kentucky, we were up in the balcony real far back, and you couldn't really see the altar. And I remember the song, music started getting good, and I started noticing people going, they were like trying to get to where they could see to see if she was, <laughs> to see if she was up there. Because she became a sideshow. <laughs> she really did. It was, just, it was, it was one of the funniest things. And, you know, I don't know, but I'm guessing that's probably a dangerous person. When they do stuff, that, that kind of thing to be seen of men, that's not good. One of, the, one of the last guys I remember watching run a lap in a service here in Illinois. A guy got up and ran a lap. This guy is like out of church and just against mystery and everything today. But he was so spiritual, he was one that actually got up and ran a lap. Tell me they're not trying to do that to be seen of men. People that start screaming in services and stuff. Uh, you can't show me the Bible or you can't run a lap. I can show you where you're not supposed to be trying to get attention. And in some places, there's enough crazy people there, you won't get attention because everyone's running laps. If, by all means, do it then. In this church, you're going to stand out a little bit if you run a lap during service. I'm not against it, but, you know, I, I kind of like some of that, <laughs> some of that to a certain extent. But you can't. You can go. You said you can go overboard. You in dressing old fashioned. I'm all for old fashioned, but you know, if all of a sudden it becomes a contest in this church and we all start looking like Little House in the Prairie, you know what's going to happen? Then somebody's going to come along and they're going to try to go Mary Magdalene or something like that. They're going to go even farther back. You know, we're going to keep trying to outdo each other, and before you know it, people are trying to be. We're, we're trying to out old pass each other so much, people think they're going to sew fig leaves together and go Eve. You can't get any older than that. But we know that was wrong. So, but you know, you all see how these things become a contest, and these are often red flags of bad people when they do that type of thing. We need to watch out for it. So, in First Timothy two nine, just a few other scriptures, real quick, to just kind of show how these are not necessarily spelling out sins, but they are showing how sins manifest themselves in that day. So, in First Timothy two nine. It says in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. That's a pretty general statement right there. That's a good statement. I believe women ought to adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Now, from what I understand about broided hair, I know it sounds like braided, but it's not the same word. But apparently there was a thing where people, back then where people would weave all kinds of jewels and things in their hair. I saw some pictures of it online where there was just like some pretty over-the-top gaudy hairdos that people can do. And 
again, I'm not going to stand up here and like tell everybody what's an appropriate hairdo or not, but we all know when somebody's overdoing it and when they're not. I knew a girl one time, she came to church, she had real long hair, she came to church one time, and she had been in the beauty parlor like literally for hours, and they had like weaved her hair into this look where it looked like a hat. I'm not kidding, it was weird. And everybody made fun of her. <laughs> it was weird. That's overdoing it. Okay, There's things that you can do that's just going to draw a ton of unnecessary attention to yourself. And I don't know, I don't know what that is for sure. I don't know for sure how to describe that stuff. I know one way it manifests itself today is women like to shave the sides of their head and then paint their hair weird colors. I can't show you in the Bible a verse. I mean, you still have long hair. You, you know, even though, you know, even if you, it's colored, even though the size, it's still long hair, but isn't that kind of going to draw a lot of unnecessary attention to yourself? I think it is. And so if we call something out like that, I think that's appropriate. That is because that's something that people are doing today. And that's and it does not. And you notice how he says, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. There is an expectation that people have of a woman who professes to be godly and have good works. And that might look a little different throughout time. And it's okay if preachers... And, and Christians are seeing the culture, they're seeing what the world is promoting and what the world is doing, and the agendas that come with that stuff, and they're standing against those things. It's okay to do that, and it's appropriate for me as a pastor to say, hey, this is how you know, worldliness is manifesting itself today. This is what the way people are dressing today to conform to this world and to promote just different agendas and things. It's okay to do that. Paul was pointing out the trends of that day that represented ungodliness. And often when we call out things in our country, oh, well, you know, over in China, you know, over in, you know, Japan or whatever, well, you know, those are different cultures. Things are very different over there. And that, and that is going, you know, how worldliness over there is going to manifest itself in a different way. You know, homosexuality probably manifests itself different in different cultures. And it probably has throughout different times. What that is, I don't know. You know, and, you know, there was a time when being clean shaven, you know, represented things that weren't good. And that, but there was also been times in history when facial hair represented things that weren't good too. Nobody, nobody thinks that it's a sin to have a beard or a sin to not have a, well, some people do, I guess. But, but either way, it's more about what, you know, What's your motivation for these things? Because you can go too far with stuff, can't you? You can go too far, and when it becomes about, you know, just getting attention, you know, we need to call these things out. So he was, Paul pointed out the trends. We see in Matthew 6, 7, Jesus speaking, says, But when you pray, use not vain repetitions, as the heathen do. For they think they should be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. Ultimately, Jesus is trying to show that God knows what you need. This isn't about just doing a vain repetition. Even though the Bible does pre teach we should go to God over and over and over again, but God doesn't want it to be empty. He doesn't want us doing like the heathen were in that day where they just say stuff over and over again. Well, if I just say this prayer enough times, if I just chant this prayer enough times, 
then it'll be received. Or like to even today, you know, you, Catholics might get together and just, let's just do a whole bunch of our fathers. Hey, that's a prayer from the Bible. But if you're just doing it in an empty way, you know what? That's a vain repetition. That's something like the heathen would do. Well, the heathen wouldn't say the Lord's Prayer, but they'll do vain repetitions. He's just making a comparison. And so we don't know exactly what their prayer sounded like. We don't know what they said. But there's no doubt when Jesus was speaking to them, he knew exactly what they meant. They knew exactly what he was talking about. It made perfect sense to them. And so today, it might look more like Catholics chanting the Lord's Prayer or Hail Mary or something like that. So uh, 1 Corinthians, we're not, we're not going to take time to go through this passage, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that's where we have the famous, give none offense to the Jew, the Gentile, the church of God, talking about don't do things that are offensive to these other groups if you're trying to reach them. If you're trying to reach people for Christ, it, you know, it's not going to help if the first thing you do is you go and insult their culture. That's not going to, that's not going to make things better. People don't, you know, people, they need to get saved by believing on Christ, not by necessarily, you know, changing their culture. You know, if some heathens in some other country adapt, a, you know, the Christian American culture, if they don't believe in Christ, they're still going to hell. You know, it's not, a, you know, so the last thing we want to do is just go offending them with dumb stuff that doesn't really matter when we're trying to reach them with the gospel. And you know what? That's going to be different in different countries and in different cultures, you know, and we've got to, we've got to watch out for that. You know, there's a lot of preachers out there. They, they like to wear, Amer- you know, Confederate flag patches and things. I'm not against that. I'm totally for it. But you know what? There's some places you probably aren't going to want to wear that. Otherwise, you might offend some people. And I'm wanting to talk about Jesus, not my southern pride. And so I'm, I might watch out when I'm doing that there. You know, there, I, there's a time and place for these things. You know, uh, if you're in the northern area, I mean, we're offended by everything. You know, it's, hard, it's hard to do anything today. But I think you all understand the point. And so... You know, in America, most of us are probably never going to be in the identical situation that Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians 10, where they're, you know, offering meat sacrifice to idols. Okay, most of you will probably never face a situation where somebody puts food before you that might have been sacrificed to an idol, and Paul's saying, listen, just don't ask. You know, you don't want to hurt your conscience. You know, you don't want to offend somebody. If somebody later finds out you ate meat sacrificed to an idol, it'll help if you can say, well, I didn't know. Has anybody ever faced that situation before? I don't think we have to worry about that. So we can just tear this part out of our Bible. We don't need it, right? No, we actually do need this. Because there's other ways that that might be manifest today. And, you know, because our culture is different. So we need to be aware of the cultures we're around when trying to reach them. And don't do things that are offensive. So it doesn't mean we don't do something that we're supposed to do. Because, right? for example, the gospel is offensive, isn't it, to many people? But there are some things that we just don't have to do, and we ought to put others before ourselves. That's what he's teaching in 1 Corinthians 10. And listen, you could take that passage right here and use it anywhere you go, anywhere in the world, any time era, but how you live out this passage is going to be different depending on depending on where you're at. So... A person has to be in total denial and just act like there's no way to be conformed to the world today. You know, when if 
we can only apply, you know, sins to what they did in Paul's day in Rome. That's ridiculous. You have to be in denial. Okay. We all know worldliness when we see it. And as a pastor, I need to point out these things. I need to warn against things that show a person is in love with this world. It's okay to do that. Those things are going to change. It's not us making up a new sin, but we are calling out the old sins that have been repackaged in order to deceive people. And sometimes as fundamentalists, we communicate poorly in this area. We make sins out of things that aren't really sins. But what we're really doing, even if we don't always do it well, is we are warning about the sins of the heart while showing how it manifests itself. And let's just face it, that's what I'm doing. You know, when I get up and and I talk about skinny jeans, I don't think there's a verse in the Bible that says, thou shalt not wear skinny jeans. I already looked. It's not there. Okay? But I do believe that for you to wear something that off-putting, that unpractical, I think it shows a love for the world. And did you know it's possible to do that sin? I think it's your, I think it's your desire to conform to the world. When I see a lot of things that are going on in these churches and trends and things that people are picking up, I don't think for five seconds that it's a sin that purple lights are a sin. But when I see you doing all this purple lights and I, they start, seem to start bringing certain music in, you know what I see? A people conforming to the world. I see a people who love the world and want to be loved by the world, that want to be accepted by the world. And then eventually you say, well, what's the big deal? But well, because eventually then too, the doctrine starts falling apart too. And it always does. And that's where the real problem is. And so when you hear me calling out these things, don't think that I think there's a verse somewhere that I'm just not showing you. I'm just showing you how these things are manifested today. And worldliness is always a, a potential sin for anybody, anytime, in any culture. And it's going to look different. If the Lord tarries another 100, 200 years, it's going to look a lot different being worldly than it does today. And it, but it will, worldliness is always a sin and we shouldn't have, we shouldn't be that way and we need to keep calling this stuff out. So that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your blessings and for your word and the clear instructions that it gives. And I pray you'll help us to be uh, spiritually minded people and that you'll help us to uh, study your word and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit so we can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I pray you'll help us to show wisdom as we do these things. In your name we pray. Amen.